Hi. Hi. Yay. I'm so excited. I'm excited. <laughs> yes, perfect. This is so fun. I'm excited to do this one because I'm excited to like, I've never actually met you. I don't think like yeah. in person. So I'm excited to like see how you are. Like, you know, like. Like the comparing. Just, like yeah. comparing, like with Grace. Yeah. yeah. No, Kennedy Lynch, like she's like, she's yeah. like. Oh my God, I forgot. Yeah. Like she's like, you are so different. Like. Really? Like, or like she'll call me Grace sometimes. I'm like, oh, I'm like, what? Yeah. She's like, oh my God, yeah. Mary. Like, and then yeah. like, or I'll do something. She's like, you just sounded like Grace or like something like yeah. that. So yeah. Your, your mannerisms and your voice already sound the same. <laughs> I can tell you guys yeah. are so different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I'm actually going to get into, um, because I want to talk about like, you guys. Oh, yeah, we can talk. Like, oh, I would love to talk about her. Growing up. <laughs> Just like the comparison part of it. Yeah. We have Mary Griffin on the lineup this week, and I'm really excited. I feel like I say that for every single week. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited for this one. But I really do get excited for every single one because I, as you guys know, am teammates with her sister, Grace Griffin, and actually our older sisters room together at their college. So three out of the five of each of our – you're five, right? Or four? Yeah, one of five. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So – Three out of the five of us in the Griffin and the Colson families have connections and have been together for a while. So we have been through it all. And so this one I'm really excited about. Um, so Mary, thank you so much for coming on. I am really ready for your story. And I think a lot of people are excited to hear from you. Yeah, I'm really excited. I've listened to a lot of your episodes and I'm like, I can't believe I'm the guest. Like that's so, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I feel like special. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really, really happy about this. I was like, Grace, you need to get me in contact with Mary. Like, I think that I need to speak with her. Also, I saw your vlog for oh, Virginia yeah. Tech and I was dying. I loved it. I loved yeah, it. She, Grace tagged you and she was like, uh-oh, Lizzie, like you have competition. And I was like, maybe I'll make a podcast next. Like, oh, you're good I know we could just go in on like we'll just be like partners maybe we'll yeah just go let's in on do it together. all right yeah um okay so she is a defender at Virginia Tech are you a junior are you taking a sophomore. your sophomore yeah so sophomore okay yeah. so you have plenty of time oh my gosh right. you're cruising yeah. yeah so a sophomore defender at Virginia Tech and this is Mary Griffin so thank you so much again for coming on the podcast thank you for having me Okay, so for those of you guys who don't know, um, I don't even know exactly the terms or exactly what went on, so I'm going to let you tell your story there, but for those of you guys who don't know, she had her pancreas, part of her pancreas removed um, due to a uh, cancer that she found while she was running um, at practice, so we're going to get into that. I'm going to let you tell your story, but it is incredible. Your story, I, I don't even know where to start, so you go it ahead. It is crazy looking back yeah. on it, but um, yeah, so... It was a weird fall to begin with. Like we usually come in, run our run tests, have fall ball, you know, try to get ready for the season and try to like play games. But this year looked a little bit different with COVID. So we were doing a lot more training, a lot more conditioning um, than normal. And we didn't like run the run test right away. So we were training with for that all together. And I like, I'm, I'm a pretty good runner. I have to say, like, I don't really struggle with our conditioning that well, not really with the run test. So he would like say the conditioning. I was like, okay, that sounds tough, but like I can do it. And um, we were doing like uh, five sets of five reps of this sprint jog um, rotation type of thing. And 
So I was on like the second rep of the first set and I got this weird pain on my right side and I was just kind of like, mm, like, I'll just push through. I think like a lot of athletes like are just like push through it. Don't be weak. Don't, right. don't show weaknesses. So I was kind of right. like doing that and I turned to do the third rep and the pain got so bad that I was like, all right, I'm going to have to call it. And I ran off to my trainer Anne, who's an angel, love her. Um, yeah. So we ran off and I was on my hands and knees. I was like, something's not right. Something's not right. I'm in pain. And it was so pain, uh, painful in that moment that she was like, oh my God, your, is your appendix rupturing? So she monitored me for the next like hour. I sat out of practice and the pain started going down, but she kind of wanted to be more conservative. So she was like consoling with our team doctor and he and her decided that the best decision would just be, let's be safe. Let's get a, a CT scan, check out your appendix. Maybe something else is in there. Let's just check it out. So I thought that was a little dramatic. I was like, all right, like, right. I'm totally fine. Like, Especially being a healthy, what, 18 year old. You're like, oh, like, yes, like exactly. That. I was just yeah. like, this is weird. Like, right. I was like, whatever. Um, so then I kept practicing the whole week because that happened on a Monday. And mm -hmm. I think in the middle of the week, I got the CT scan and I was scheduled to hear the results on Friday after practice. And Anne actually knew I had a tumor in my stomach before practice. So she was like, do I let her practice? I don't want to freak her out. Like, so she let me yeah. practice that day. Oh, and she was watching me the entire practice. Like I almost got hit by a ball, like on my stomach. Cause that's probably having a heart attack. Yeah. She was like, oh, wait, how did you feel waiting for your results? Were you bugging yeah. out or were you kind of like, oh, waiting, it is what it is. Waiting. Everyone was like, you're fine. You're fine. Like I was asking my teammates who've had appendicitis. They're like, oh, you would have been like so sick, like throwing up whatever. And I I was like, okay, like I I'm fine. Like that was, was yeah. fine. So practice happened. I even ran after practice with two of my teammates and was still getting that pain. And I was like, all right, something's weird. Like something's off. So I went into right. my um, appointment and the doctor was like, so good news. Your appendix looks really good and everything else looks really yeah. good. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and then he goes, but, and I go, but I was like, what's coming? And he's like, we found a tumor, a mass, the size about of a lacrosse ball um, or a tennis ball, but um, in your left side. And I was like, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, is it cancerous? And he was like, yeah. I don't know. Because at that point, I don't know how the whole cancer journey works. I don't know if a, a PET scan or a CT scan shows cancer. Like, I didn't know there was different types of scans for that. So I was just like, oh my God, yeah. is it cancerous? And he's like, that's the next step. And they actually talk about it like to this day, when he told me that I went through like the seven stages of grief, like I was in shock. Then I was like making a joke. I was, then I was in tears. Then I got really angry. Like he saw every emotion. Just all in that moment. In 30 seconds. Like I, I was in disbelief. Like Anne came up on the table, was like patting me on the back. And I was just like, what the heck? And he was trying to explain it to me. And I was just like, I honestly, everything's going in ear, one ear out the other. Don't know what you're talking imagine. about. Yes. Yeah, so then next step was getting a biopsy done. So a biopsy tests the tumor. And mm -hmm. so I got a biopsy done for the next week, but I had to get a COVID test before the biopsy. And oh, this I, I, is why I know and um that Monday so I had my biopsy scheduled for Wednesday Monday my I'm getting ready for practice we had morning practice and my roommate comes and she goes oh my god I have a fever and I go get away from me <laughs> I was like oh right my gosh. I, was like, I cannot oh my have COVID at that point yeah. I probably already had COVID so yeah I get tested for COVID on Tuesday my biopsy is on Wednesday I get 
I'm at practice, um, sitting out and I'm like wearing a mask, like distant from everyone. And my trainer starts walking over to me and she waves me over and she go, and I just turned her, I go, I have COVID, don't I? And she goes, yeah, you're positive. And I was like, instant tears. I was like, oh my gosh, they're not going to be able to test my tumor. Like, this is horrible. Like, and I was Did just you like, have any symptoms or you just kind none. of like, I had no, no really symptoms. Like, I was just like, yeah, okay. like me and my roommate definitely got it. Like who knows from the same place. I definitely had it right. on that Monday when yeah. she like was sick. She was just showing symptoms. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to wait two more weeks. Cause you have to be in quarantine for that long to find out what this tumor right. is. And that's the worst part is waiting. And so she was on the phone, all practice, calling doctors, calling the hospital. And luckily enough, they pulled through. They were like, you can still get your biopsy done. Just wear, I had to wear a shield, the whole like, um, really like big mask. Like they were in hazmat suits. Like they really went out of their way to make sure I was able to get this biopsy done. So got the biopsy done. Thank goodness. And then, I mean, I feel like that two weeks, like, yeah, it's super yeah. stressful, definitely. But also with cancer, like, you don't always know if you have two weeks. Like, right. at that point, you didn't know if it was cancer or not, but you don't, yeah. you can't yeah, like, mess around with two weeks here and there. Yeah, yeah, they were like, this is urgent. Like, we don't know anything. Yeah. We just know we have, a, she has a tumor. So, exactly. Yeah. So, they were able to get that done. Then I was in isolation, obviously, like in my little room, my college room is so small (laughs) and I was just in there and I got the results back in three days and my trainer called me and she was like, okay, like, I was like, you're jumping on the zoom, right? Cause it was, I was supposed to be in person by COVID and my mom was supposed to come down, but we had to schedule it. My mom was on FaceTime and then my trainer called me and she goes, meet me outside. We're going to get on the zoom call together, like distant apart, but I'm coming to your house. And I was like, that's a red flag. I was like, why are you coming to my house? Like, right. I thought this was just going to be like a zoom call. Like, let's just going to get this like benign to tumor out of, yeah. it doesn't really mean anything. So we all are on the zoom call. My mom's on FaceTime and she's on my phone. I'm on my computer with the doctor and she just says, all right. So the tumor, you have cancer. He said like the type of, can- he said the type of tumor and it's such a unique term I was just like what does that mean he all I heard was cancer all you hear is cancer yeah and I was just like what and the zoom call probably lasted for like 25 30 minutes I only heard five of it because I was just sitting there like I have cancer what I like the only thing I could ask was like am I gonna die or what's gonna happen and they're like the type of cancer you have like usually has really good results um next step would be a pet scan to see if it spread so all I got out of that meeting was I have cancer and I'm not going to die. So I was like, right. Okay. So like, give and take. Okay. Yeah. I was like, all right, that's, that's <laughs> promise. Work but, with um, it. Yeah. So then right after that zoom call, I immediately had to go up to my room in isolation again for the next seven days. And all my, I called my friends and like, had to tell them, I was like, I was like, hi, like I have cancer. And they were like, what? And they're like, and some of my friends had COVID at the same exact time. And I asked my trainer, I was like, please let me go see them. Like, I need to be with people. And she was like, no, you, you can't like, who knows? Like, like strands are different. Like some people are symptomatic. Like you just can't be around people. And I was just like in my little room for the next like week. And I was that like, it was just insane. Like I was trying to keep myself occupied. Sleeping was hard for sure. But, um, it was a lot of, like 
FaceTimes, text messages, calls yeah. after calls. I mean, I can which, imagine all you want to do is like hug your mom. Yes. Like that's what my mom said. She was like, I just wanted to drive down and get her, but Virginia Tech is five hours away. Like yeah. he would have yeah. definitely gotten COVID. Like who knows what would have happened? Like right. I can't bring him into the house. Like she was like, I just wanted to give her a hug. And that was just really hard. Like dealing with like how my mom was feeling. And I remember like when they told me I had cancer, I initially was like, mom, I'm okay. Like I was yeah. really worried about her. Like this is her baby. Like this is her child. Yeah. Like yeah. this is just hard for her as it is hard for me. And, and I think that's something as we get older, we probably yes. realize like when we're younger, we don't really, our minds don't go right to your mom, but as we're older and we start to like resonate like a little bit more with like that side of like motherhood and like she becomes like your friend more. Yeah, It's like your like, mind can't help but avert, like just go right to your mom and go, I'm good. Like, don't worry. Yes. Don't worry about me. I'm good. Exactly. Yeah. Like I was definitely empathizing with her, but yeah, it was just like phone call after phone call. Like people were leaving me things on my doorstep. They were like, I left you a goodie bag, like on my doorstep. And then yeah. it was I had so many but, snacks. Yes. Yeah, so oh my god so many snacks I was like I, I was like yeah. what did I do it was like give me it all yeah. like, edible range you come out of quarantine like door. so yeah yes. I was like it's fine living yeah. <laughs> it could be worse but yeah that was in isolation was just like the cherry on top for sure yeah. finding out that yeah. news oh my god I can't yeah. imagine just being stuck by yourself I mean I had to isolate when my roommate got COVID and yeah I was I was struggling so I can't imagine mm-hmm. getting that news them being yeah. quarantined and not being able to see anyone. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah. So then you had your quarantine, you finished that. And then what happened? What time of the year was this? This, so the pain started in September. I got diagnosed September 31st. So I was able to get out of quarantine, I think like end of the first week of October. And okay. then um, I got out and just, the next step was getting a PET scan to see if it spread anywhere. And, um, that was just like a lot of waiting, but I just went to practices. I kind of wanted my life to still be normal, have that routine. Like I, I didn't practice cause we didn't know like what was going on at the point. And so I was just like going to practice and wanted to be around my teammates. They have such great energy. I love every single one of yeah. them and they were a good distraction. I wanted to be with my trainer cause she like mm-hmm. me and her have gotten really close so I went to practice and then I remember there was like a Friday lift and I told my trainer, I had my PET scan results. I was like, if they're, they're bad, like tell me on Monday. Like, I was like, I don't want my weekend bad vibes. Like I do not want that. And I was right. at lift and she pulled me out of lift and I was like, oh, right. I was like, okay. So it's Friday. I told her not to tell me, but she gave yeah. me like really good news. She was like, there's no oh. sign of spreading, um, which is like awesome. That means with no spreading was just the indication that all I was going to need was surgery, which is amazing rather than getting chemo or radiation. So I remember coming back into that lift and like, my friend was like, did you just get good news? I was like, yeah, I was like, there's no spreading. Oh, like, and they were yeah. so excited. Like, yeah. And I was just like, wow, like this is such a big milestone. Like, yeah. and everyone was so excited for me. And then, um, because there was no spreading, I was able to, pushed the surgery back to November 11th. So I was able to kind of finish out a lot of the semester and go home as close to Thanksgiving break as possible. Cause I wanted to be here. I wanted to be with my friends. I wanted to be around everyone and get schoolwork done. Cause my academic advisor, shout out Elise, Wow, she's amazing. Um, I wanted to you have such a squad. Like, oh my gosh, you had the people to go through this with. (laughs) Yes, uh, I would not have been able to do it without them. So yeah, I just wanted to. I was like, please just make my surgery like as late as possible, not too late. Cause I want to be able to play in the spring, but yeah, no, so right. we scheduled, um, 
surgery for November 11th. And I went home, I think like November, like sixth or something like, um, so I just, life was pretty normal between finding out it didn't spread and finding out and surgery, like, cause I was okay. They were like, nothing bad could happen to you. Like it's really slow growing. And I was really fortunate to be in that situation. So luckily everything was pretty normal other than the fact that I'm like, Oh, like I'm not practicing. Um, I have cancer. Like, yikes. Right. Oh, forgot. <laughs> um, so would you just, thing. so you would just go to practice. You wouldn't, um, you weren't yeah. able to do anything. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't practicing. And like, it still like was painful to like do all the running. Yeah. Like I saw that pain. Um, so yeah. Oh my God. So what does, so how many months did it take you to get back? What did recovery look like? And mentally and physically, what did that look like? Yeah. So I got surgery November 11th and I got cleared on February 11th. Exactly. So it was three, points, oh, wow. three months to the day. Yeah. So it's like easy for me to remember, but I really have never been injured before, like, Mm -hmm. and never really been out of my sport. Um, So that was like a really new experience for me. And I think anyone who's been injured or been out for some reason can like resonate with like, you don't realize how tough it is until you're in it. Like you see all your friends do it. Like I ACLs are like everything, like the lacrosse world is surrounded by ACL tears, sadly. And I just, I'm like, Ooh, like that seems tough. But like, until you're actually like the one who's coming back from surgery and realizing that it's not just one steady road, you're pushing forward, forward. Like you, it was just a big wake up call that I was like, okay. So I was able to run this much this day, but then because I ran that much, I woke up and was in so much pain that I actually like ended up taking two steps back when I thought I was taking a step forward. So it was just really hard. I, never really sat out before I didn't know what how much I could push myself and I think I pushed myself a little too much like sorry Anna, as most of us do I feel like like I was sprinting on the treadmill when I was only cleared to jog like I'm sorry right but, right like, <laughs> I feel like I know that too like I feel like our trainers have to know that they say like jog yeah. and we're just gonna run. Yeah, I was like I was like I'm gonna see if I can like bump it up to like level nine today yeah. like let's do yeah, pretty good so um I remember like I was pretty confident coming in back from home to school in January, like ready for preseason. I was like, I know I'm not in contact. I know I can only run 15 levels of our um, run test rather than the full 21 levels. And so I was just like, okay, I'm content with that. I can do stick work. I can do certain drills. stuff. Um, so I was like ready for that. And then it kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm kind of done with being limited. Like what's the next yeah. step going to happen? And I just remember... I really pushed it one day and I was like, I'm going to go sprint on the sideline and like do all this other stuff. I was in a new drill that I usually am not used to. And I woke up the next day and was in immense pain from like just soreness. My like stomach hurt from where I was getting like surgery. Like it was, it was just so, it was so painful that I couldn't even practice that day. Like none of it, like I had to sit fully out. And I remember like going to the locker room after that day and having a complete meltdown on the couch. Like my one yeah. teammate turned to me, she's like, are you okay now? It's like, are you okay? Like immediately, immediately yeah. like that question will get to you. That um, question gets you. Yeah. I'm like, when wow, people I'm really, And it's like, when you're on the verge of tears, you're like, I'm okay. I can probably sit this one out. Like I, I can put this. And then someone's like, how are you? And you're like, I literally am not, I'm not okay. Or you just completely unleash and like, yes. you just go 
ape shit. Like sometimes I'm just like, yeah. ah! and I like I don't understand. Like I I yeah. probably could have held I'm, that down like, and maybe just had a simple conversation. Exactly. Like she was just yeah. checking in, but I was like full breakdown. She like grabbed me, walked me into the trainer. I was like, I can't do it anymore. And like, yeah, um, my one friend who was actually going through ACL recovery, um, but she's like a superstar. Like she literally was cleared in like seven months. I don't even. She never missed a game. Like yeah. she's amazing. But That's she insane. like. You could, it, she's so amazing that you didn't see her struggle but she was struggling too and like yeah she was like listen like not every day you're gonna have successes like it just happens and like yeah. today was a day where you didn't take a step forward but recovery in reality and sitting out may be a step forward and I was like you're yes. right like just gaining yeah. that perspective was super helpful and then mm-hmm. I think after that day I started like listening more to my body really mm-hmm. just being like in the long run like if I take the steps that I need to rather than I want to, that's Mm going to get me to the point where I am and want to be. And it kind of is the type of thing where you don't see how much process you're making until you're kind of like there and you're like, wow, like I just did all that. Like, and And so many people think that through recovery, no matter what it is, like you have to go Mm -hmm. 110 miles an hour every single day, all day. And like anything, like that's not the case. Some days you need to literally do nothing. Some days you just need to cry. Some days you need to push yeah. it. There's just every day yeah. is going to look so different. It's just recognizing what you need on that specific day. Yeah. And then, yeah, like your friend said, like maybe you don't feel progress today, but that's not to say you didn't have it. It just looks different than it did the day before. Exactly. And like, yeah. so like the mental struggle of coming back from an injury and a surgery, like that is one other thing. And then I was dealing with mental struggle of like, what just happened? I, I was just told I had cancer at 19. Like, and um, I was, and like, you're in the hospital and I was in a, um, a children's hospital. So I was surrounded by little kids who were going through similar experiences that I had and they had cancer. And I was just sitting there. I was like, wow, like this is happening. And when yeah. I got back to being cleared or like getting to the point where I'm back on the field, I was feeling really lucky, but at the same time guilty because my cancer journey, it wasn't, e- I don't like to use the word easy, but it was definitely like some, I just am very fortunate for what I was the circumstance that I was given. And there is that sense of guilt of being like, people have it a lot worse than me. And it just was like kind of a struggle to feel a little bit like guilty and being like, wow. Yeah, I can assume that'd be so confusing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, like, I didn't realize like how different cancer journeys can look from one person Mm -hmm. to the next. And just, it was a lot of learning. And I, whenever I would like complain, I had to be reassured that like, I have every right to complain. I have every right to be upset. Like mm-hmm. it, no one wants to be told at 19 that you have cancer. Like that's just something that you're going to struggle with regardless of the outcome, regardless of how yeah. easy the road was. Like, so I was struggling with coming back from an injury, but this injury was so unique. And so mm-hmm. there was a whole different mental side of it. And I think oh that was a lot of learning. Um, and it was like hard to relate to people to, in that aspect. But yeah, I think just being more open about it and like, just being like, if I'm struggling and like, there is that sense of guilt, everyone's like, no, like you have every right to feel how you're feeling. And like, yeah. just opening up and being vulnerable, I think is just the number one thing that made it a lot easier. Yeah. And obviously Mary, your story is so different. Like you said, so unique, mm-hmm. um, so special to you that you had cancer and that's why where your guilt was coming from. But I think a lot of athletes do that. I think they see like an injury or they see someone who's not playing and they complain and they're like, well, I can't, I can't complain. But it's yeah. like, maybe you can't sit there and like cry for four days straight because you're not playing. Um, yeah. Whatever reason, whatever the reason is, but like 
you also need to know that, yeah, like you were saying, it's not a comparison and maybe your injury or the reason you're not playing or whatever your story is, it's not a comparison and you're allowed to feel how you feel. I just had a podcast with someone else and she was saying like, feel how you feel, allow yourself to feel that way. And then like, make something of it, do something about it. Um, and I think that you're like a great example of that. Like, yeah, I, my story does look different from that kid or from the other person who's sitting out, but I'm allowed to feel how I feel because that's how I feel. Um, and then I'm going to do something about it. And I think athletes just in general, we don't allow ourselves to feel that way. We don't allow ourselves to be upset long enough to like recognize and deal with the feelings. Exactly. Like, I just think a lot of people like just will go about and like, just think like, I remember like my friend will be like, oh, I just, I just failed a test. And then they'll be like, oh, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm complaining. Like my life is like, not like yours. I'm like, no, like complain. Like I want to hear right. your problems. Like yeah. I would love to like help you like distract me. And like, I know you would help me if I had a complaint, like, exactly. and I just think like everyone like needs to be able to like release like what they're go- going through and like, just know that like, we're going to be by your side, like regardless of how you're feeling and just ha- like being open to that. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. So now now you are back in season, right? And you're fully cleared to play yep. and you're doing it all. What does life look like for you in a daily? Are you still getting scanned? How do you feel? What's it look like? Yeah. So I remember I got cleared like February 11th and then we had a, our first game against Liberty and I don't, I don't start, I don't usually get playing time. We have amazing defenders on our team. They're awesome. Right. And, um, but he like, put me in like we were up by like a good amount and he put me in and yeah. I like was stepping on the field I was like wow like I was like I did it like I'm back like it was yeah. super exciting and like um I remember like Grace my sister she sent me like a snapchat video and she was like screaming like she saw me like run on she's like oh my god like you're back on the field and that was like yeah. super exciting um so once that moment happened like I was like kind of like all right like we're in the go like normal um uh, it's back to normal type of thing but like I think people who are injured and like you probably can um agree with this is yeah you're cleared but just because you're cleared you're not 100 percent. so yeah like going through that after cleared I was just like all right there's still some pain like some days I might need to take it a little slower but like for the most part I was cleared so I would I just think like right now I finally it's in it's May and I finally feel like my old self again like in terms of playing wise I feel like I'm getting my speed back my footwork back I didn't realize being out that long and also I didn't play in the fall and then getting back from surgery I didn't realize how behind I was going to be so I'm finally getting back to like my groove my speed and I am feeling like my old self again thank goodness but um the next step is actually I have my first PET scan scheduled for May 14th so it's um six months post-surgery so I'm scheduled to get a PET scan every six months for the next five years so after five years I'll be considered cancer-free even though I'm like yeah I'm cancer-free like I like to say it right speak it it out to the universe um so I have my first PET scan um coming up in about a week or two oh my gosh well good luck I know everyone's like are you nervous and I'm like I definitely am nervous in terms of that little voice in the back of your head being like, what if, what if something happens? What if it's back? What if they didn't get it all? Um, But I have so much like faith and trust in my doctors and my team that they said that it should not be coming back. And based on how the surgery went and went really well, um, thank goodness. So I am like feeling like pretty good about my first PET scan. I definitely, the first one's going to be most nerve wracking, but uh, I'm like um, excited and anxious at the same time for it. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. That's a fair feeling. Yeah. 
Um, something I remember when this first, like when I first heard about your, um, your diagnosis was, I was talking to Grace about it. And I was just like, how's she doing? And she was like, honestly, Mary is handling this way. I don't know how Grace is handling this and probably just as well as you, but she said, <laughs> she said, um, way better than I, she said, she's laughing about it. And I don't know if that's how you cope or if that's <laughs> genuine. Oh, she said something like, are you, how are you feeling about it? And you're like, oh, I know I'm going to beat it or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And like... she was like, Mary, yeah, you were just so confident. I know I'm going to beat this. Like, was that, is that your coping strategy? Is that how you knew you were going to beat it? Or were you just completely like, heck yeah, like, let's do this. I think. I was just okay honestly like I think definitely dark humor is a coping mechanism and I think it's a great one. right for most like, of us that's, but like, that's yeah. like, I still make <laughs> yeah, jokes same. about it but um yeah I think looking back on it like people will, like say something from the fall and I'll be like I don't I was like I kind of repressed that like yeah. it was so crazy and so fast that honestly the fall feels like a blur to me like every day kind of meshed the same and like it was just like kind of going through the motions and there's a part of me that I kind of wish I slowed down and maybe wrote out how I was feeling, maybe wrote out what was happening in my steps. But I like to look back, we'll have dates. I'm like, all right, I did this that day. Maybe I had a bad day this day. And like, I kind of wish I documented it more, but it was so fast. that I was like, couldn't even process how I was thinking. So, but like, I did have like, like I said before, like that normal routine and being around my teammates was so helpful that they kept my energy up. They were there if I ever needed it. And I think in hindsight, like if I, I could have sat around and just been like, my life sucks. Like I hate my life. Like why this happened to me? And I was asking myself a lot of questions in terms of like, why did this happen to me? Not so much. So like, why me? Like, why, like, woe is me, but more so like, why did this happen to me? What is, what is this supposed to teach me? What am I supposed to do with this lesson? And what am I supposed to do to like better myself and better the people around me? And I think just keeping that perspective um, and having that hope of knowing that I was going to be okay in the long run. And I had such a great support system at the end of the day. I think that was just so helpful, but it was so fast that it really didn't hit me until I would say like end of December, um, early January where it hit me where I was like, what the heck just happened? Like I had to sit back. I was like, all right, like that was crazy. Everything is kind of calmer now. I don't have as many appointments. I'm recovering from surgery. I'm home with my family. And you're alone over winter break. Yes. Like I can, I'm alone. I'm I'm not around a lot of people all the time. And I remember I, I honestly got, that was probably the saddest and like when I struggled the most, um, in terms of like, what the heck, like what, like what just, what did I just go through? And it was mentally and physically exhausting. Like I was mentally yeah. drained at that point. I was like, I can't take another bad thing. Like little things would make me upset. I was like, I just can't deal with it. And like, um, and I like opened up to my friends about it and they were just like, you know, you have every right to be upset. And like, mm-hmm. that was probably the hardest part, which is weird because you would think like being told you have cancer and going through surgery and getting PET scans and things like that, that would be the hardest part. But really when it's all over and you look back on it, you're like, wow, like that was a lot for me. And I think that was like the hardest part. And I didn't expect it to hit me like that, but it did. It was, it was just when you said you didn't have two seconds just to even think about it. You found out your diagnosis, you went in, you got the surgery, your rehab. Mm -hmm. And then over winter break, you sat for long enough just long enough to feel it and were you were you like kind of confused feeling were you like why am I just Mm -hmm. feeling it now or were you like okay no I know I repressed it for long enough like I knew this was going to come someday 
at first I was confused. I was like, why, why like now, like, why is it hitting me? And I was also confused why it all happened. Like, I was like, what is, what is the universe trying to teach me? And then I kind of started being like, all right, like one coping mechanism I used, um, for during that time and being away from my friends, I wrote letters to them. Like not even like, it was more so like, um, kind of like when you journal, like you kind of like write out your feelings. And it was me just being like, this is how you helped me in the long run. Like, and I want to give you a heads up that like, there are going to be days where I struggle. And like, this is how I'm feeling about the whole journey. But like, at the end of the day, thank you. And like, I just remember like you doing this for me, like stuff like that. And that was really helpful. And as I started writing those letters and giving them to people, it all started kind of clicking. And I was like, all right, so this is how I'm feeling. I, I did repress a lot. And I did repress that like guilty feeling of, all right, like, oh, I have cancer, but like, also like my journey was a little bit different than other people's in a fortunate way. And, um, I think like it was really confusing at first, but then when I started like talking about it, I was like, okay, this makes sense. I have every right to be upset and like being okay with that sadness, I think was really important. Cause at first I was like, I have nothing to be sad about. Like, I'm really lucky. I'm really fortunate. Yeah. But, like you can think you're sad. healed, like you're, yeah. you're cancer free for now. Yeah. It's easy to just kind of like tunnel vision that yeah exactly but I was like no I I can be sad and like it's okay if I'm sad and like Mm -hmm. um I think like just being honest with myself was a really important part but like definitely just like you said like having those two weeks where I just sat and like was it not really able to like train to my full extent and like was only limited to certain things like I didn't really have a hobby during that time either so I was just sitting there and I think that was a really definitely a heart the hardest part of it all yeah, I was going to ask you about that because everything I've read and watched and just talking to Grace and obviously talking to you now, I'm getting a feel for it, but everyone's just said you're so like positive and you're so like energetic and stuff like that. And I was going to ask you, was it hard for you to feel those things? And obviously you're saying that it was, mm-hmm. um, and I think we're pretty similar in that, that like feeling those things is tough and being mm-hmm. in touch with those emotions is a lot harder than being in touch with like the funny, like whatever yeah. side that you like pers- um, show people, which is fine. But um, that, I mean, that I can imagine how much like how hard that would be just like sit yeah with your and like and stuff like that yeah and like everyone commenting on like oh like you took it so well like you're so happy all the right. time and then I was like not happy all the time and I was like wait I'm not supposed to be like this I'm I'm known right. as a happy go lucky like fun spirited person but I was yeah. like I'm not being that right now like uh, am I disappointing everyone like yeah. like that type of thing like it was a definitely an internal struggle but like I was like you know what like I don't have to make anyone else happy. Like this is my journey too. And being okay with like not being okay is something I definitely yes. had to learn to deal with. Yes. And everything you just said <laughs> in the last 15 seconds is exactly how I was feeling <laughs> at one point. And then that's what led me to meet with the sports psychologist. So when you finally came yeah. around to dealing with these emotions and feeling it, did you meet with the sports psychologist? Did you just talk to friends? Not just, but did you talk to friends? Did you just mm-hmm. stay with your family? Like who did you talk to to get this out on the table? Yeah. So um I that is probably one of my biggest regrets with this whole situation is in the fall I mean I got diagnosed and my trainer immediately was like you should meet with your sports psych because I met with him my freshman year you know freshman year it's tough I'll just put it out there it's tough like why not meet with a sports psych like we have these resources why not use them and I was just like you know what I'm fine I'm fine like I think I emailed him once and scheduled an appointment because they really were like the ones rather than me reaching out they were the ones like pushing it for me to meet Mm -hmm. with them and uh, I think I scheduled a meeting with him and then I like I think I had like a test or a class during that time and I I, like emailed him back I was like I had to cancel it 
and uh, like there, he was super busy and he was like, just let me know when you scheduled it. And I never rescheduled it. And I really wish I had a sport. I, I wish I had followed through with meeting with him. And I think like a lot of athletes try to push through and being like, I'm okay. Like any sign of weakness is like, not like, you're not a D1 athlete. Like don't show any sign yeah. of weakness, but like, sometimes the stronger thing is asking for help. And that Definitely. like, you look like you are stronger by, by admitting you're not okay. And I think that is why my fall went so like happy, go lucky, like cloud nine. Like yeah. I just went through all this. I was like, you know what? Life is good. Like we'll be okay. But I really wasn't facing reality. And I think that is probably my biggest regret. And, um, so I did rely on my friends. I did rely on my trainer and I talked to her like every day, talked to my parents like every day, but I do wish I reached out to a more professional side. And I think a lot of people don't make it a priority. I didn't make it a priority. And so I just kind of swept it on the rug. I was like, Oh, I'll get around to it. I'll meet with, yeah. with him, like whatever. Yeah. But I think we do need to make it a priority. And that's a mistake that I did and I'll own up to it. Like I wish I had, and maybe I would have been more okay going into preseason at the end of December yeah. and been more prepared for what it's like to come back from something like that. And been like, why can, like, why did I struggle so much? And I would have been like more prepared. And I, I do wish I met with him, honestly. Yeah. Well, you're blessed in the way that like you had the friends and the family and mm -hmm. the resource and your trainer. Um, and your teammates and stuff like that, that, you know, even though you didn't see the sports psych, you had the resources and you had those yeah. people to support you. So that's huge. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you talk a little bit about the, so we're talking about support. You talk in all your um, interviews about the support from the lacrosse community as a whole. I met with Noel Lambert, the um, former UMass Lowell lacrosse player who lost her leg in a scooter accident. And she also talked about the support from the lacrosse community and just how such mm -hmm. a big community can feel so small so quickly. Um, what was that like? I mean, I remember it was everywhere. It was all over everything. And I, it was amazing to see. What did that feel yeah. like? So I didn't realize who and like what the lacrosse community was until so my yeah. a, uh friend of mine her mom set up a gofundme page in honor of me and like to pay for my medical expenses and my coach like mentioned it a little bit he was like yeah like the parents are talking about like raising like some money for you and I was like oh that would be really nice like that my family right. would really like benefit from that and we like were all like to, I was like with some of my friends and I looked on my phone and I had a hundred text messages like 50 like DMs, like just my phone was blowing up and I was like, what's going on? I was like, what is happening? Like, I was like, maybe the word yeah. is out that like yeah. Mary G has cancer. But I was like, I, I think like everyone like knows at this point. And yeah. it was the GoFundMe page getting reposted on everyone's Instagram story. People were texting me like, you got this, like go like kick cancer's ass, like yeah, all this stuff. Everywhere. And I was like, oh my God, I literally had to put my phone down. Like I was like, I can't, I, I wanted to respond to everyone in a way that they deserved, like they deserved my full right. effort. So I, I like, sometimes I responded to some people like three days later, I was like, sorry, I wanted to give you my full attention and right. I was in the headspace to do that. And the thing with GoFundMe is you can leave anonymous um, donation or you can put your name. So every now and then, like I would scroll or, and I would see like people's names. And right. at, at most of the time it was a lacrosse family or a lacrosse uh -huh. player or someone who I know through the lacrosse world. And at that point I was like, wow, like 
the lacrosse world is small and so big at the same time. Like, yes. I, like everyone in lacrosse, is, like, there's names, you know, someone through someone. And I was just, there's people I don't know have heard of that were yeah. donating. Like, it was just incredible. And it just made me feel really blessed. But also I was like, ah, like everyone is being so nice to me. Like, do I deserve this? Like, I was like uncomfortable because like my teammates were donating and I was like, their families are like giving me money. Like, what do I do? Like, do I, do I say something to them in person or do I just like accept it and just move on? Like, I didn't know what to do, but lacrosse world is honestly crazy. Like I think every single one of them, like And I think it's really cool that like at the end of the day, yeah, we have different jerseys on, we're playing against each other. But when it comes to things like this, we're all on the same team and we're all fighting towards the same cause and for the same fight. And I think that was just awesome to see. And like, it brought tears to my eyes and made my mom cry. Like, and it was so awesome. And everyone was just, it was like, I had like a million best friends and it was awesome. Oh, that's so (laughs) sweet. I mean, it's so true. It's such like a, okay. The lacrosse world is crazy. Like we can say it, we can call it. It's like lacrosse fans are crazy, but it's so special. And I mean, we're a part of something that's so, so special. And I was just watching that just blow up and I was just, my heart was so full for you guys and your family and especially just like, you know, knowing you guys for so long now, I feel like it's been literally so many years. Our families have like run the same circles. So um, I know it's crazy. I always forget about that. that I know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like it's the closest in the Griffins. Like yeah. from Carroll County all the way to College Park yeah, to everything. Virginia, like where are we? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of the Colsons and the Griffins, um, I'm one of four girls, you're one of four girls, and a boy. Yeah. And I have a boy in my family, so we have the exact <laughs> same family set up. I want to talk a little bit about comparison growing up. So I did a podcast in the very beginning of my, when I started this and it was just me and my siblings talking, just, we talked comparison, how we grew up and our siblings and what it looked like. And I kind of want to hear from you. Um, what did it look like? Comparison, sports, off the field, stuff yeah. like that. Did you feel that comparison? Oh, 100%. Like I'm the youngest too. So yeah. I was able to see four different paths, four different college experiences for different careers, like emerge before I was even starting my college experience. So I was like, do I want to do this? Do I want to, do I want to follow Grace? Do I want to follow Maggie, Claire, Mm -hmm. Jack? Like, and I think the best way to put it is I took a little bit of each of them and did something else. Like I merged them four together and made my own path, but like, there's like hints of them everywhere I go. Like like, the cross, like Maggie, like she's a fun time. Like I, I think I'm pretty fun. And like, (laughs) like Claire, like she's built on leadership, like, and then Jack, oh my God, Jack is just, we're the same person. I feel like we're just really like, he's sociable. He knows how to talk to people. Like, so like we're pretty similar in that aspect, but I definitely think comparison was a good and a bad thing. I think the person that I was compared to the most growing up was definitely Grace because mm-hmm. we were kind of, we're the closest in age for one. And we were kind of the ones that were like, okay, they're going to play D1 lacrosse. Like they're, they're headed in that right. direction. And I remember when she committed to Maryland, I was in, she was in ninth grade. I think she was in eighth or ninth grade. So I was yeah. in like middle school. And at that point, like you kind of know who like the studs are on your M and D team. And like, yeah. I was like good, yeah. but I wasn't like top tier. And I was like, and I like Maryland is like amazing. Like they're the lacrosse, yeah. like epitome and she committed. And I remember I was like, I can't do that. I was like, <laughs> I was like, shit, I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. Like, what are people going to expect from me? Like when it's time yeah. for me to get recruited. And yeah. I, I was like, what the heck? Like, I also didn't realize how good she was until that yeah. happened. I was like, Maryland. I was like, really? I was like, okay. <laughs> You're like, I'm hard on you her play? too. 
yeah and yeah, so yeah. everyone's like oh I think like Marilyn has a reputation of also like a lot of siblings are there like the Griffin yeah. like Brooke and Brindy not me and Grace but Brooke and Brindy and there's the Cummings yeah. and everyone's like oh Mary like you're definitely gonna go to Maryland like follow yeah. your sister and I was like one I don't know that that's what they want and two like I don't know if that's what I want personally like uh-huh. um and so I kind of was just like you know what like let's just do something different and mm-hmm. um try and like just let's like form my own path and like me and Grace like we're compared a lot to and like the cross mm-hmm. world but in personality I think we're very different like she yeah I'm kind of getting that <laughs> yeah she we're like we were watching your big 10 game last weekend like against Hopkins and like all my teammates were like how like what is she like and I was like uh I was like she's not like me at all I was like she's a perfectionist I was like she has her life together I was like she's a hard worker I was like I was like, but she's funny like she's she has her own sense of humor like she's I was like you don't think she's weird but then when you get to know her she is weird yeah, like, yeah, I was yeah. like, like she does like weird stuff I'm like I was like all right that seems off brand but like she's yeah. funny and like, but, pop uh, off, okay. like, I was like, I was like, but like I definitely um think getting compared was there was a lot of pressure in terms of like all right she's a lacrosse legend she's really smart too and like all my siblings had really successful careers and I was like oh like I had to do that but then when I kind of realized I was like no like I I can do my own thing I can go to a different school I can major in something completely different from where everyone else is majoring in like that's kind of when I was like all right like the Griffin family there's five of us and we all contribute something different and there um once I got over that pressure and realized that like this is my journey my path like then I think like things started opening up for me and I started getting comfortable in my own skin but like at the same time like I do like comparing myself to them in sense of like there's so many good things that I can get from mm-hmm. each of them that I'm like, all right, I want to strive for that. Like Grace's worth work ethic. Like I want that. And like, she's mm-hmm. such a tough love person that like, sometimes when I'm complaining, I'm like, okay, Grace would totally shut me down on that. Like, I have no right to yeah. complain about that. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like when we train together, like, she's like, I'm going to do another one. I'm like, I can't, but like, go no, girl. I'm like, <laughs> <You're> like, <"Bye." laughs> yeah. I'm like, you go through that sprint, but like, yeah. Like, yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I think a lot of people could take that. Even if you don't, you're not one of five siblings. Mm-hmm. Kind of how I look at it too. Like, yeah. Comparison can be a horrible, horrible thing. If you let it, like it can eat yeah. you alive, but it also can be such an incredible thing because mm-hmm. Think about a team, for instance, if you're not one of five again, like yeah. a team has 30 some people on it or however many people, like every single person is going to bring something different to the table and you just kind of need to like pick and choose. You're not going to yeah. absolutely love or resonate with every single thing about 30 something girls. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, if that happens, let me know what team you're on, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you're going to find something and you're able to find something with every single person on your team that you can resonate with and that, you know, maybe you want to learn from, you want to grow from, you want to mimic a little bit to an extent. Yeah. Um, I think that's the best way to look at comparison. Mm-hmm. There's no, I mean, again, it can eat you, eat you alive because yeah. it can be a really, really toxic thing. Um, especially for girls. Yeah, I, I, think, think, um, I think that's really like, I feel like you just gave me some wisdom on that. Like comparison, <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. comparison can be a good thing if you put it in the right yeah. perspective. I like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, that's why I do the podcast. Hopefully, I'm dropping yeah, <laughs> No, you are, you've been like actually just spinning fire. Like, I'm just like, I'm like listening. I'm like, wow, I like need my popcorn. It's so good. 
Um, okay. So yes. So comparison, we got into all that. So basically just the last question I ask every single person on this podcast is what is the best piece of advice you have been given? And I'm assuming that yours probably came in the last year ish of your life. Um, so can you share with us the best piece of advice? Luckily for me, I've listened to your podcast. So I was prepared for this question. I I don't like think of, Oh, I have to have a piece of advice ready. Yeah. Be ready. Um, piece of advice would definitely be from my mom um so I think like one thing I'm really known to be is an outspoken person like I I will speak uh, out on like things that I believe in and she told me she goes make your mess your message so I think all of us have a lot of mess going on but once you get over that mess and once you're open and vulnerable to that mess it really can put a message out there and like I was a mess, Paul. I'm sorry. Like, I am a mess, but like- That is okay. Was, we all are. Like, That's literally so what the podcast mess. is. <laughs> there was so many messages that came out of that yeah. and like using your platform, using your voice, because I never had a platform until I, I got diagnosed and went through all this. And like using that platform to like get your message out there, I think was just so important. So I definitely think that was probably the best ad- advice that I was given was make your mess, mm-hmm. your message. Don't just- dwell in what you're dealing with do something with yeah. it and yeah there's something that's going to be good out of it and use your voice to do something bigger than yourself that kelly griffin does it kelly again griffin. I'm kelly griffin. <laughs> that is incredible it's yes. such a good piece of advice that should be on a t-shirt yes. like that make your, mess, your, mess, your message your message that is so freaking good yes. i love that oh my gosh Oh, Mary, this was so fun. There is bigger things and using your platform, using your resources. It's, it's Mm -hmm. what we're here to do. Like we're all, that is why I started the podcast because we're all going through things. We're all going struggling in some kind of way. We all have something to say, something to share. Um, and that's just why I did this. And so, yeah, the podcast slogan needs to be make your your message. That was a really good piece of advice. (laughs) Good thing you did your research before because I don't know if you would have got that off the top of your head. Yeah. You just spitballed something. Yeah, I don't know what I was Mary, <laughs> this was so much fun. I'm so glad you came on the lineup with me, and it was so fun to get to know you. Obviously, again, I know your sister, but knowing getting to know you a little bit more was really, really fun. Thank you for having me. I feel like we're like best friends now. Like, I know. We're connected. Yeah, I know. Fun. I feel like I want to hang out with all the girls now. <laughs> I want to set it up. We'll all get yeah. together.